Hey guys, it's Kathy here from Geek Girl Meets UK and you're joining me for the latest episode of Geek Girl Meets. I once again apologise for a short break between episodes, uh, but anyone who may possibly follow me on Twitter will understand why and that is all I'm going to say. Um, I'm very excited to say that I have a fantastic interview today. I'm joined by Natalie Nahai, web psychologist, author and speaker. And she's very, very kindly put up with me in her gorgeous home and made me a cup of tea. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Uh, so this is added to my, my list of weird places in which I've now done podcasts. And this is a home, so it's not that weird. I had recently, I did an interview with Robin Exton, who's oh, one yeah, of our yeah. geek girls, in a hotel room in San Francisco. Brilliant. Yeah, which when you're talking about a lesbian and bisexual dating app, could just caused endless jokes throughout That the sounds whole. like it could have been a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. great. Um, so, Natalie, I've already explained to you a little bit about what we try to get out of this podcast but ultimately it's for us to inspire our listeners and in order to do that we want to kind of unpick your career path to date and I want to take you all the way back to the beginning you know when you were a child when you were a teenager what was it that little Natalie wanted to do? Uh, Be an artist actually yeah I used to spend a lot of time drawing everything that I could draw mostly people so faces and bodies and hands and all sorts um, and then I was also trained in violin from the age of three through the Suzuki method so you hear it, everything by ear and you have to learn it orally Wow! Um, so then it was always kind of a, a natural love of art and then there was the music that came in and then I taught myself guitar and stuff so it was always going to be something creative um, but my dad's a physics teacher and so I always enjoyed the sciences too and I didn't understand why there was such a big disconnect in terms of how people put art and the creative disciplines in one camp and then sciences in another camp where actually there's they're so connected yeah. yeah wow so okay in terms of those musical instruments just to interrupt do you still play yeah so I occasionally play my violin which is most um it's mostly sort of once every six months I'll get frustrated have a glass of wine whip it out and then play for five hours probably much to the delight of my neighbors um and then guitar I still play a lot um I'm actually back in the studio just for pleasure, just producing something that I recorded a while ago. And then uh, piano occasionally, but not really so much anymore. That's amazing. Okay. <laughs> Natalie can just see my face and I'm like, that's so cool. <laughs> I'm also really jealous because when I was when I was younger, I used to sing. Oh, I love singing. And I've completely lost it. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm very jealous. I need you need to, to bring it back out. I do. I need to take a leaf out of your book and it, after a drink, I just spend five hours That's singing. It. Just go sit and stand in the bathroom and just sing. Yeah, I should. I don't even sing in the shower. Maybe find somewhere that's nice that you can sing in, like a like a cave, I was going to say. <laughs> okay, you've been in hotel rooms with uh, curators of lesbian apps. I'm sure caves would probably be quite an interesting place to sing. Because they, well, they sound good. Oh, yeah. Echoes, acoustics, yeah, everything. Yeah. Yeah. See, same page. There we go. Right, <laughs> that's fine. So, okay, so that's interesting. So kind of a love of art and then a love of the sciences at the same time, mm. which is very interesting. So before we go through the, the kind of the journey of, of how you got to where you are today, um, the benefit of everyone, you know, what does web psychologist mean? <laughs> um, so basically, I came up with the idea of just putting the two words together, web psychology, because there was no one five years ago, there was no one that was really bringing together different disciplines each of which can tell us how and why we behave online the way that we do so now of course you've got ux which is a thing computer science there are modules in there where you look at behavior you've got behavioral economics and and social psychology and cognitive many of which use online tools to reach unprecedented masses of people that wasn't possible for to do um but until yeah until recently none of that was available so 
I kind of was trying to find a way to join the dots between all these different disciplines I could saw that I saw could tell us something about uh, online behavior. And so I thought, well, what will I call it? Because it's quite a disparate set of um, disciplines. And so I thought, well, it's on the web and it's about psychology, such so as web psychology. And it was, I think it was Rory Sutherland, actually, who um, works at Ogilvy, who had once said something like, if you want to, to put a new product into an existing market or give um, a new market an existing product, you have to find a way, bear with me on this, to make something new feel familiar or something familiar feel new. So it's this, this sense okay. of kind of familiarity and novelty to put it together. So people feel like they should know what it is, familiar enough to be a sort of not freaked out by it, but then intrigued enough to want to know more. I should find a better way of saying no, that. No, that actually, <laughs> I, well, I, I got that. That made sense. Okay. So everyone knows what the web is, what psychology is. You put them together, it's a novel formation, and then people are like, I kind of get what that should be. Is this it? And yeah. so it raises questions. Yeah, okay. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Do you want to retake that? No. <laughs> you get no choice on that. It totally makes sense. Okay, cool. So that was five years ago that you brought the two together. So what was the the journey between art, science? I can see a connection already, right? You, <laughs> Natalie wasn't sure when I said to her that there's a connection between what you do in adult <laughs> life and what you wanted to be as a kid. But there is a connection there, mm. definitely. How did you get between the two? What was the career journey? So at A-levels, I took English literature, art, physics, and I started out with social biology um, and then decided to switch to psychology. And it was the first time I'd come across it. And the teacher from my psychology syllabus really practiced what she preached. So if you knew that after every 45 minutes, your focus dips, you'd get us to do star jumps in the middle of the class to get us to actually learn what it meant to practice psychology. So I fell in love with psych at that point. Um, and I'd always wanted to go on from A-levels to go to university to do art, like at the Slade or something. And my parents had said, look, given that you're actually really enjoying psychology, that you're capable and that art is a very unpredictable um, sector, why don't you do your psychology a bit further? And then if the art doesn't work out, you can combine the two and find some way of doing something that is lucrative and also fun for you to do. So I thought that's quite smart. So I went and did a psych degree at Birmingham University. Then um, by that point, I'd been doing quite a bit of guitar. I'd been gigging a bit. And so I'd ended up doing some music out in Atlanta where I have family. I've got family all over the world. Wow. And so that was kind of starting to be a thing that I was interested in. But I also wanted to go to art college, so I'd already got a place for the foundation course at Central St. Martins. So I went to CSM, did my foundation, loved it because it was super hands-on, really intense, loads of work, amazing people. And I thought, oh, I'll do a fine art degree. So I did my second degree, started, and about a year and a half in, realised that it was just super boring. Um, I wasn't getting taught anything. It was like conceptual art, which is, sorry for anyone listening if you're a conceptual artist, but in this course, it was just watered down psychology with none of the academic rigor. And I was just getting bored out of my head. Yeah. It's like, this is shit. Why am I wasting my parents' money and my time doing something which is like this? So by that point, um, I had sort of done more of the music, went out to the States. I'd recorded an EP, recorded an album. You recorded up, an album? Yeah, yeah. It, just, it was taken quite a random, well, not really random, but different That's routes. That's amazing. So, okay, so you... So all this this is going on and you're still doing the music. Sorry, I'm getting excited yes. because I love the music <laughs> as well. But what type of music were you playing? Well, once got de- described as alt folk noir, which is probably about right. It's that's quite cool. dark and that's melancholy cool. and beautiful. Well, I like it. It's, I did it for myself. But okay. Yeah. What was the album called? The first one was just self-titled and the second one was called Fortune Teller. Um, wow. And uh, yeah. So yeah. So I'm going to release the new song at some point soon for friends and family. But um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's a bit of a sidetrack. 
I feel like your title's not right now because we had web psychologist, author, speaker, musician. Yeah. <laughs> Should have been yeah. a four, four strings in the bow. So Especially to speak. people playing the violin as well, right? Um, cool. Okay, so all this is going on. So mm. you're doing fine art and it's... Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, yeah, which sucks. <laughs> so did you finish the degree? No, so I quit. Off? I was like, I'm leaving. And I remember my, my uh, tutor at the time... It's like, no, nah, don't leave. This is, you know, why are you leaving? I was like, I'm just, I'm really bored. This is not what I signed up for. So he tried to convince me to stay. I left. I went out to Atlanta and was recording. And then around that time, I sort of finished the second album. At the end of that, I turned 25. I came back to the UK. And I remember thinking, okay, I've, I'm 25 years old, in the folk scene. Napster had happened. There was no way that anyone was really taking an interest. And my cousin, who's a, uh, a music lawyer out in the States, in LA, who works with some really high-profile clients, he's like, nah, you just, it's not going to happen for you. And it was really heartbreaking. And I remember listening to him say that. And he was like, look, people are not going to invest in a, in a singer who's female and over 25 in a tiny sector when there's no money in the industry. And I thought, shit, he's right. And so I tried for one more year. And in that year, just like, you know, no holds barred, um, and then I was so upset that I didn't, I didn't write for a whole year. I didn't write any music and I stopped gigging shortly after. But in that time, to give it one more sort of shove, I thought, well, I need to get a website up and I need to push. And I kind of thought, do I want to pay someone to do the site or do I just go, fuck it, I'm just going to learn how to code. It can't be that hard. It's not going to be as hard as physics. And it wasn't. And so I learned how to code. I was like, right. And this is when there was Dreamweaver and HTML and Flash was still alive. Oh, wow. and, okay. and so I did HTML, set up a few sites, started Flash, HTML5 came out and I thought it's dead in the water. But it was enough to get me into the design world. And having done art, it kind of connected beautifully. So then I was a freelance designer for a while, tried to get into an agency and a friend of mine was just leaving the agency and he said, look, don't do it. You'll get bored. It's just too single track for you. Um, it's not going to fit your personality. And he was right. So at that point, I started thinking about how to connect the dots. And that's when I put the pieces together. And I was like, well, maybe I should do psychology as a psychology of business, maybe psychology of innovation, because there was always craziness going off in East London. Um, and so eventually I came across, well, maybe it should be psychology of websites and yeah. social and behavior online. And so I started blogging every day for a year, pretty much. It got traction. I thought, right, I'm going to try and write a book. Um, yeah. So when did you decide to write the book? I had gone on an NLP course because NLP is like this wonderfully provocative um, field, which is completely unregulated and psychologists hate it because actually there are a lot of NLP techniques that are quite effective. <laughs> anyway, so I've been on this course and the guy who ran it had written several books and he was absolutely wonderful. Um, and so I knew I wanted to write the book, got in touch with him, took him out for lunch and sort of told him about my idea. And he said, I really like the idea of this. Let me put you in touch with my people at Pearson's. So we did, and they liked the idea, filled in a proposal, and they gave me a book deal. And it was just incredibly lucky that yeah. it was the right time, the right person, personal introduction. Um, and I actually followed the instructions on the proposal, which apparently very few authors do. And they were delighted with it. So they're like, oh, this is really good. I was like, well, I just followed your instructions. <laughs> it's like, give me a cake recipe. It will be fine as long as it's uh, strictly adhering to the instructions. So that was it. Wow. Okay. This feels like a real monologue. I'm not used to speaking for this long. No, I, I did warn you that I do like. But this too much. No, it's okay. not. It's, this is great. I'm, if you've not seen my smile, I'm your like, smile. This I know. Is amazing. <laughs> Just, okay, good. <laughs> in on that, um, you read as we said. No, it worked well. I mean, like, you know, one of one of the reasons that I love doing this podcast is I get to literally sit in a room and be like, "Tell me everything," <laughs> and you're beaming gorgeously at me, which yeah. is very lovely. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> 
That's okay. That's incredible. So, so I, a couple of notes. How how long were you working on the book for before it went and actually was published? Um, so from end to end, it's a year and a half. But because I hadn't written, a, and this is the wonderfully naive thing, if you haven't written a book, you don't know how gall, gall well, yeah, it just is incredibly painful. And I didn't realise the world of pain I was letting myself in for. Um, so I started like gently doing a bit here and there and being out in the garden and running through notes. And then it got to about four months before my deadline. And I thought, oh, I haven't really written that much. So then it was literally four to six hours a day, every single day for several months just to get it out. And I, I did. Um, yeah. But then, of course, there was a whole problem that was a, it's supposed to be a book about the psychology behind persuasive design of environments, of content, of websites, etc., and I hate to say it, and I'm sorry, Pearson, but publishers are not used to doing infographic or design-based work unless they specialise in that field. And because this is a business book, yeah, which crossed over, again, so you can see the connection like throughout my life, just crossing over different disciplines, um, the design was just not what it needed to be. And so I ended up doing everything, the front cover, the infographics, the internal layout. I was like, nope, I'm doing it all. And they were very gracious. Well, yeah. Me <laughs> That's the thing. You'll have, an, you'll have a vision and an idea in mind of what you want and you've got the skills and the know-how to do it. So why wouldn't they just go, yeah, sure now? I know. Well, we tried several versions with other designers and I was like, this is not good. And then, yeah, in the end, they were very sweet with me. So it was a really good process, but it was very painful in parts, but absolutely worth it. Yeah. Okay. And since the book came out... Obviously, we, you know, you're a speaker now as well. So, <laughs> so what happened after the book was published? So it came out in 2012. Um, and I was lucky enough that Pearson were able to feature it as Book of the Month in WH Smith's. And what that actually meant was that it was put on a massive spread from like probably a metre and a half up in the air and a metre across. It was like just the sea of my blue book in all of the WH Smith's in all of the airports around the world, which was insanely good yeah. in terms of promotion terms, like yeah. never mind marketing and social forget all of that like people were actually traveling through airports especially business people and I, I remember getting an email really early on from someone who'd just been to Davos and they said I saw your book and Doug Smith going through x y and z airports on my way to Davos and, and it made me realize that actually if you want to get in front of people you have to physically get in front of people yeah. and there's still no replacement for that really um but that basically meant that I got the visibility and then I started doing lots more speaking and found that I enjoyed it and that people liked it and that it was just teaching. And I love teaching. Both my parents um, were teachers when they were professional. And so, um, yeah, so I started focusing on that. And I thought, based off of what all my peers were doing, you know, setting up businesses and running companies and they were growing and now they've got 300 people. And oh, my God, we've got four offices in all these different cities. Yeah. And I was thinking, shit, I should build an agency. But actually, I really don't like the idea of building an agency. Um, and I don't want to be stuck in one place for too long. So yeah. um, so in the end, it just the speaking took off. The consultancy didn't because people didn't get it yet. And so now I get a little bit of consultancy coming in. So, for instance, I work with Unilever and they're great. But broadly speaking, 70 percent of all my revenue comes from speaking. And the rest of the time is kind of reading and writing and... And you're yeah. complaining about having to ramble on on a podcast. You see, <laughs> there's a bit different when you're like teaching people. They're like, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's more about the stuff. It's not about me. It's a bit different <laughs> when people are asking you about you. It just feels incredibly self-indulgent. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's okay. So that's an incredible career. <laughs> I'm jealous. Um, so there's the lady who's about. Oh, are we allowed to say about your exciting Texas here? Uh, oh yeah, departure. No, yeah, uh, yeah. So I, uh, <laughs> for those listening, I have a new job. I start. <laughs> I join uh, Texas UK as head of communications on Monday. Boom. Which is more than likely when this podcast will go live. <laughs> Amazing. Perfect timing. <laughs> 
I was going to ask, you know, you know, what do you love about what you do and, and your, your kind of your job now? Mm. But it, it's very apparent when you're talking about it that it's the mix of different disciplines. Mm. And as you just said, you know, you could start a consultancy, you could do an agency type thing, but that wouldn't fit your personality mm. or what kind of keeps you going. So the kind of jetting off here, there, <laughs> and speaking and all of this stuff. But is there anything else that if, if we strip away the kind of the going all over the place and everything, what what's the kind of the one core thing that you love about web psychology, do you think, if there is one? Um, I think it has to be people. Like, I'm fascinated by what motivates us and everything that we create as humans, everything that we interact with, um, at some point, apart from nature, obviously we have a relationship with that, but the things that, that have been made, whether virtual or physical, have been made by someone else or by a group of other people with intentions and with lives and with stories. And, and I just find people absolutely fascinating and rich and interesting. And whether that's about, you know, how can you interact with people better or what people's stories are or what are the motivations behind things and how that, that can influence the way that we perceive the world. It all for me is a really rich, interesting mix. And I think that has to sit at the intersection of all these, these different disciplines, whether you're a scientist, an artist, a musician, an architect, you know, a coder, whatever it is, there's such a human element. And that's the glue that binds everything together from, from my perspective. And there's also the sort of the macro thing of being part of a world and being part of an ecosystem. But, um, that's the thing that I love most, I think. And I have to say, actually, for the record, I know it sounds very glamorous, um, jetting off. And I think this is one of the, the, the myths that I'd like to dispel, which is that from the outside, it's, it's very easy to look at people like me and people in my industry jetting off yeah. and glossy pictures and the photo on my Twitter thing is me on stage because I want to present that side of myself. Um, I know that we've sort of chatted about different aspects of identity and self and how they express themselves. And, the, and it is a lot of fun. It's absolutely a lot of fun. Yeah. It's also a lot of work. Yeah. It's also very tiring because conference season happens all at once. And it's, yeah, it's chaotic. It, it's really chaotic. Yeah. And on the one hand, if you're someone, and it's the same thing with you. I mean, I see you here, there and everywhere. There's a real buzz that people like us get out of it. But there's also, you pay for it yeah, in do. different ways. Yeah. And so it's about how can you find something that you are willing and, and happy to pay for? Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Like where the value exchange is, is right for the person. It's almost kind of a return on investment in a weird yes. way, isn't it? For you giving that time to go and speak, researching, pulling everything together. Aside mm. from, obviously, you know, you are a speaker, so that's part of your professional element. But even if you're not doing it for monetary gain in any way, you're still there because you want the, the energy and the... Mm the connections and the network and these inspiring conversations yeah. that come off of the back of everything that you do. And that's all really addictive. Yeah. And it's exciting. It's exciting, but there is a significant lack of sleep. Around yeah. Lack of sleep. And then I think also you can hype yourself up. Like if yeah. you're a high dopamine person and you, you seek novelty and there's that excitement of new connections, especially if you're in the tech sector, it is so fast moving. And this is one of the reasons I think an agency just wouldn't fit me is that if you're already thinking ahead two, three, four, five years, yeah. you're kind of getting bored by what's happening already. There's also the risk that you don't stop to kind of just be present and to think and to be where you are. Um, yeah, and I think especially for people who have a rich fantasy life, which, you know, I do as an artist or a musician, you kind of paint these wonderful soundscapes or maps or images in, in your head. It's very difficult to kind of um, appreciate what you're experiencing when you're going through it and I think that's another thing yeah yeah, yeah. I agree 
I'm really, I'll be happy when um, conference season is very soon over <laughs> for the summer. And then, uh, you know, it's, it's You've enough, got a way to go, yeah, you see. I know. It's enough <laughs> of a resting period, that, that little bit in July and that bit in August before <laughs> it just goes mental again before Christmas. And it's that lovely thing where you're like, oh, Christmas, I get to relax today. Don't no. Christmas party season happens. Oh, God. And you just get sick of all the food and then all the <laughs> politics. and Yeah. But it is exciting to anyone <laughs> listening. Um, so, you know, who, who have you found has been an inspiration for you in, in everything that you've done? Or is, there, is there, like, any kind of one or two people? In terms of people that first spring to mind, um, actually, well, yeah, there's a few people that I'm very interested in. So uh, Anais Nin I found very interesting. There's people that have come before. She was a writer and had to write erotic passages basically um to finance her uh, love of of writing other things and she was just exceptional fascinating woman very very smart Frida Kahlo the artist she was just so extraordinary um, and very seductive she has this sort of timeless I don't know magnetism that just keeps me coming back to reading about her and seeing her artwork um a lot of women actually Helen Mirren for her sass and just yumminess and smarts yeah um, I'm trying to think of some male role models. There are there are several. Einstein, actually, because when you start listening to... I was listening to um, A Brief History... Was it A Brief History of the World? Something like this? Bill Bryson's book. What's the name? I can't even remember the title. Um, Brief History of Everything, I think maybe it is. Is it that? Not sure. We'll carry on. <laughs> we'll check it. So one of the, one of the chapters, um, he was talking about various innovators, and he talks about Einstein and how initially he'd been a teacher and he wanted to put forward a paper on one of his early theories and it was rejected wholesale by all of the people that he presented it to and yet he persisted um, even though he didn't have the right qualifications people didn't understand it because he was so far ahead of his game and so people like that um, who've really oh, you know Leonardo da Vinci people who join dots and yeah. kind of go I see this why don't you see it I'm going to keep going anyway and who actually we now think of as heroes but at the time they, they must crazies. have been they're crazy they must have yeah. been you know vilified and they must have been quite lonely and they must have had a lot of sleepless nights and all these people that are actually um really inspiring and larger than life we kind of see all the glamour and not all of the pain and the the hard work and so yeah these are some of the people that inspire me are we trying to think of a short history of nearly everything that's the one there we go okay nice work google (laughs) definitely not my brain um and i guess just because i've literally just mentioned a book by bill bryson Mm. What are you reading or listening to or watching, absorbing on any level? Ooh, okay, I'm reading so many books that on the go at the same time. So um, Emily Nagoski's Come As You Are. I, that is high top of my list. It's of good. Next books I need to purchase. That is, yeah, it's a good one. Okay. Um, I am listening to um, More Than Two, A Guide to Ethical Polyamory which is interesting. I am also reading Cal Newport's book on deep work, which is really good. Um, I am somewhat reading, although I've kind of paused for a moment while I write my book, uh, Douglas Rushkoff's Throwing Rocks at the Google Bus, which is really good. Okay. What else am I reading? I think that's mostly it. Oh, yeah, I'm also reading... Um, it's by uh, Ruby Wax. It's called Frazzled. It's about mindfulness, because I know that last time we chatted about some of this. Yeah. Uh, I think that's mostly it. I feel like there are other things that I've been kind of reading and picking up and putting down. So you read, you read multiple books at once? 
I get really, yeah, I get overexcited by something. I'm like, ooh, this is nice. And then I, yeah, I, yeah. And usually I'll do like a stint. Like if I'm by myself for a weekend, which I actually really love, then I'll read for three hours in a coffee shop and then I won't read again for two weeks or whatever. Yeah. So okay. Uh, so just yeah. kind of intense reading period. And then, of, yeah. yeah. I need to get into a habit of that. My my latest read at the moment is um, Girl on the Nets. Oh. Book, which is great fun. And I, I'm not going to lie, I, I got the train um, back home to Surrey the other day and uh, it was during the Queen's birthday <laughs> and there'd been a big do on the Mall and all of these charity workers and some rather, you know, to-do charity workers had <laughs> gone up to town. And, you know, when you see someone and you're like, I feel like this might be your voice. Um, and I got on the train and I just went, oh, I'm going to read Girl on the Net. So you get Girl <laughs> on the Net out. And the front cover is this very like seductive mm. pose of a thigh and some French knickers. And oh, it was lovely. Just, it was just the look I got from these other women I was sat with. And I just kind of went, <laughs> smugly smiled at them and carried the reading girl on the net. Raised eyebrows. A little bit. But, you know, they, it, it, she, you know, just reading her books, it's kind of like how we're talking now. Mm. Like, there's like, just oh, candid. Exactly. Yeah. Talking about sex and just being honest and real. <laughs> but that could spawn a whole different podcast. Oh, yeah. not That's after hours. That's after hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's amazing. I've got like two more questions mm. for you and then we'll kind of wrap this up. But in terms of your career and, and everything that you've done to date, what would you say that you're biggest piece of wisdom is that you oh I know everyone makes that face they're like please don't be wise but you know that, that one kind of it doesn't have to be your biggest piece of wisdom but a, a good piece of career advice that you would pass along to anyone can I give two you can definitely give two right. I'll take three I'll take five <laughs> anything um, so a couple of them the first one is that when you're thinking about which direction to head in it's kind of like if you're holding like a little bird in your hand you want to make sure that you're grasping it lightly enough so it doesn't fly away but not so hard that you're going to crush it or if you're if you're sort of navigating towards a specific location that you can generally pick a north north star and migrate towards it even though you might take a bit of a circuitous route so i think having an idea of the kinds of things that are going to make you happy in your career so if it's to do with being with people or learning things uh, in a particular way or being in technology to have a certain few core things that you want to make sure that you have in the mix at any given time and then just be flexible about what that looks like. Yeah, that. And then the second piece would probably be that the biggest, the biggest life-changing uh, things can often come from just serendipitous encounters. So I think when you're in a stage where you don't know what you want to be doing, or you've got an inkling for what you want to be doing, or you've just seeded an idea and you're like, right, I now know what it is that I want to tell people what I'm doing. At those three stages in particular, to be able to go to meetups such as Geek Girl or others that are around there um, or conferences and talk with people and just talk about things you're passionate about or tell people what it is you're working on will open so many doors. And I always forget that that's a, a vital piece um, of the pie. Oh, yeah. It's huge. Tapping into any form of network and being... yeah. Open about anything you're up to. It's amazing how many different dots get connected. Mm. So it's a very, very good piece of advice. <laughs> if I had gold stars, you'd get one. Thanks. Um, <laughs> you're really good. But, <laughs> is there anything else, you know, any um, initiatives or anything that you're working on or any other little side projects? You strike me as someone who's a bit like me and that they have multiple <laughs> side projects rolling at any given one time um, that you can tell people about yet. That I can tell them. So I am currently working on the second edition of my book, which is called Webs of Influence, The Psychology of Online Persuasion. It's going to be coming out in January or February, I hope, if I meet my deadline of July the 1st, which is possible. Um, so I'm working on that. I think otherwise, 
Um, otherwise, what can I tell? Yeah, I'm going to be doing a five uh, series, five episode series with The Guardian on, sci- on the science of emotion. And that comes out toward the end of June, I think. So if you're interested in that, um, otherwise, that's it. You can find me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> What's your Twitter handle, Nat? Natalina Hyde. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you also, because I found this out earlier, you have a newsletter as well, don't you? Oh yeah, I do. I always forget to do. Yeah, what is I, just marketing? I, just I, always forget. I, well, I'm a comms person, right? So I'm like, let's You're remember smart. your other channels. Thank you. Yes, quite right. <laughs> God, I need you to help me sort my life out in more ways than one. Yes, I do have a newsletter. Uh, it's once a month because it takes a lot of time to write, and also I hate spamming people. So it's once a month, and it's um, five of the top sort of psychology resources from around the web. Also updates on events, shows, anything like that, and sometimes kind of just discounts for things like UCL neuroscience workshops and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so you can find that at natalinahigh.com. Awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks for inviting me. That's okay. Thank you for letting <laughs> me do it in your house. Pleasure. Anytime. <laughs> Uh, so that brings us to the end of this episode of Geek Girl Meets. Uh, if you want to stay in the loop of Geek Girl Meetup events happening in London, the best thing to do is to go to geekgirlmeetup.co.uk and sign up for our newsletter or follow me and all of the other girls at GGMUK on Twitter. And you can also find us on Facebook and you'll be hearing from me again very soon. But once again, thank you so much, Natalie. My pleasure. And I'll speak to you guys soon. Bye.